Welcome to the Mindfulness Academy podcast. I'm your host, Amy Morgan. And on today's show, we have Brandon Bryant. I will take a moment and introduce Brandon to you. Brandon Bryant is an award-winning home builder with Red Tree Builders in Asheville, North Carolina, and the current president of the North Carolina Home Builders Association. With over 17 years of experience in the industry, Brandon is known for his exceptional attention to detail, innovative designs, and dedication to building homes that exceed his clients' expectations. Let's see. It's been a few years since I think we first met. Um, my husband, Jeff, introduced us through the Builder 20 group mm-hmm. a few years back, and that's through the National Association of Home Builders. It's probably been eh, maybe two or three years yeah, I think it might have been. I got the book right. Um, was that previous to COVID? I guess it was. Uh, I published the Chaos Antidote in 2020. So in the heat. In the mix of it. Yeah, yep. yeah. That's when it was. And then, um, yeah, the the great trip to, to Utah and maybe Las Vegas. Maybe Las Vegas. Yeah, yeah. What happens there? <laughs> Your wife and I had there. a wonderful time watching some yeah. Lady Gaga so yeah. I will never forget that trip. Um, so tell me a little bit about yourself. I want to know where you grew up. Tell me a little bit about your work and educational background. Give us a snapshot of who Brandon Bryan is. Yeah, just a quick little snapshot. I grew up outside of Asheville, North Carolina, in a small town named Burnsville. Um, single, I'm a single kid. Um, what is that? Only kid. What's that called? Um, yeah. Only child. Only child. Yes, that's what it was. Um, I, I was single too, though. Um, the uh, in computer science major, went to college, um, thought I was just going to write code and make tons, six figures in the early 2000s, and then realized that was just not my jam of being in a um, cubicle for eight hours trying to find that little bit of code. Um, but, you know, was very active um, and had a great upbringing, some of the best families. So family still important to me, still close to my parents. But, um live about 30 minutes away, but I've uh, been building houses for the last 17 years with a focus on green and healthy that we always thought we could do something different. And then it's somewhere around about eight years ago, six years ago, we kind of started changing our why statement, um, you know, start with why, and it is to have a positive impact. And it, so that's bigger than building houses and bigger than that. And it's bigger than just our clients. So, you know, probably what led me into being um, trying to be mindful of things. And I think I had a indirect path of getting to be on a podcast like this for sure. Yeah. You, you talk about on your website, what is your tagline? Artfully crafted, mindfully built. Did I get that right. You nailed it. Um, I typically call it my, yeah, that's a great question. So I typically, and I just seen this on my marketing last week, I always tell everybody it's mindful to build art for crafted. So if I'm mindful about my slogan, that should have been the way it should have been done. But our thought was, is that we should be mindful. It started out from sustainability, like being very mindful of the resources we have, the land. Um, you know, I always think we got one shot to get it right with a piece of land because it's raw land, it's beautiful trees. We should take that opportunity to be very mindful of the resources we have, what we're doing, the impact on the community. And then it became an evolution of being mindful of what's going on with our clients health or their life and then it became something even bigger so we kind of really that mindful part is created a whole we created a whole company out of it called rt design our interior design firm 
but it was trying to be very mindful of people's money, the, the resources, the environment, where people are, what we, how we can impact them and do a house one time. Um, as you probably know that there's a ton of things that could go wrong on a job site and on a set of plans. So it's being very mindful. Let's, let's work through this ahead of time. So we don't end up in a house that a client says, Ooh, I wish I had, you know, I wish we'd have talked about this, or I wish I had mentioned I had this piece of art I've been collecting that I wanted to display. So it was really trying to be very mindful about what we're doing. And then the artful part is that we've had so much time. We've thought through stuff that we can artfully do something. We do it one time and we, we had the details to do it right. So that's where that kind of, that tagline comes from. Well, and I, I saw that you're, you're also focused on um, green building, that that is mm -hmm. something that you offer, um, making sure that a home is built with the environment in mind whenever possible. Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah, every house we do, ever since we started the company, we've got every house certified um, we've won two innovation awards from the Department of Energy on what we do. So that's just part of what we do. We meet people where they are, but they, they get that no matter what. And the real impact is trying to have healthy indoor air quality. The energy efficiencies is a cool thing. It's kind of a byproduct, but we're really focused on people creating front porches, have interactions with our clients. Um, you know, we learned that front porches are important to, to meet your neighbor, have intentional interaction, have connection right place windows to connect with nature. Um, even how we paint our wall walls can really have an effect on people. I never thought I would get into wall color paint and how it affects somebody. And it also has a lot to do with their history or their, um, their past, you know, what colors represent what to, to people. And uh, you can have a just amazing impact on people if you really spend the time to think about it. Or we can just build a house and not think through it, which is the, what our industry typically does. Well, I'm excited to hear how you're standing apart and putting client first and in a very mindful way and even the environment first. Sounds like that's that's part of it. Um, tell me what mindfulness is to you, just in layman's terms. Yeah, thank you. It, 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 and I'm very much a layman when it comes to this, so thank you. I Mindfulness to me is just being aware I'm self-aware, aware of everything else. My team, we set goals. There's 11 of us, and we're checking in yearly goals. We just did our quarterly goals. Every one of them said, I need to be more present. And that was mostly with their family in the moment, but it could even be at work because even in meetings, I find myself not always present. Like I'm texting somebody, I'm reading an email, or somebody's talking, and I'm not giving them the attention they deserve. Um, but yeah, that, the answer not be long-winded it's kind of just being present being aware of what's going on around see opportunities um if i'm going to say i'm going to have a positive impact you have to be mindful of what's going on around or you just never see that opportunity it just passes by exactly that's a wonderful definition tell me about any mindfulness routine that you might have maybe it's a morning routine i know you're a runner uh, maybe that's part of how you become mm -hmm. more present um, or maybe it's just maybe a set a set presence that you have when you sit down to a meeting um, or to an email or whatever it might be. Are there any sorts of routines that kind of help you be present? Yeah, I'll share a couple. And then, I, of course, I've heard of plenty of them. I'm just not a great executor of them. The running part is fantastic. So if I've got a, something I need to think through, 
um, need a decision on or just need some clarity of mind. That is that is my Zen moment. I can go run three to four miles and like solve all my problems. Um, then I shared that with my team a couple of years ago just because I was going through some tough stuff and just wanted to know if they see me running on the streets at two o'clock, it's not that I am not working. This is this is a good stuff. This is what I do. And, and I really tried to promote that in the team. I got a herniated disc, um, got diagnosed about three years ago, my C5, C6. And I had to start learning in the mornings. My body ain't awake like it used to be. I can't just jump up and go. Um, so some of that is either doing meditation. It could be some yoga, but it really is checking in my body. Like, how did I sleep last night? Um, and do I have it or do I not have it today? Is like this thing going to really just be this constant pain. It's not a pain. It's more just a, it, it keeps in my mind. I can't focus as much because it's just, there's a pain right here in my neck. And so I've had to really try to embrace morning, just scanning of my body. Just like, all right, let's work through my body parts. And like, what do I need to do this morning? Do I need to meditate? Should I do some stretching? Should I do some yoga? Oh man, I'm got it today. I can just go out the door and just go and kill it, which doesn't happen as much as it used to. Yeah, the body scan's very, very helpful. That was maybe one of the hardest routines for me to learn as I went through mindfulness training. I was really new to the concept of paying attention to my body, and that sounds ridiculous, but I think it's been my experience that as a culture in America that we're kind of taught to deny our body so much that it's sometimes hard to give it attention. And, and I don't know if that may be like a male female thing in the culture or if that's something you've experienced, but I've, I've spoken with other um, folks about this that, yeah, we have a hard time just embodying ourselves and being comfortable in our own skin enough to pay attention to it and to heed what it's saying because it may be kind of screaming all day long, but if you don't pay attention to it, eventually it's going to take you down. So it, it, it will. <laughs> it's been one of the coolest things I've ever done is like really realizing how quickly I can just get relaxed. And, and then all of a sudden my mind clears out. It was, it, I took yoga in college. Um, I'd never done yoga before. And I took it as like, Oh, this would be an easy class. I'd got, um, into a bar fight, broke both of my jaws. I um, had was wired shut. And so of course I needed to figure out what was going on with my body. I couldn't do half the yoga stands. I couldn't do the headstands and all that. But in that class, I still remember this is 20 plus years ago of that. Like we would go into a meditative state. It was stretching for about 20 minutes and then we'd get into meditation. And like, she would have us literally work from our, like either head going down to our toes or coming up. And like I, within five minutes, I could be asleep just of scanning through the body of like, okay, let, release that part, release this part. And just, it's like, you're talking to your body and it's a cool thing. Once you actually embrace it, my wife cannot do it for the life of her. She starts screaming. I'm like, just talk to it, just chill. And, you know, so I think it is harder for other people and just, but when you get there, that moment of like, all right, let's release that. Or, oh, what's going on there? Let me, let me focus and send some energy there. I don't know. It's a cool thing. That's a good remark about kind of releasing, you know, talking to it a little bit in a recent, um, every Monday morning, we have a team mindfulness, like a mindful moment. And so I'll lead us in a, a little bit of a practice. And one of our recent one was recent ones was, um, focusing on, on a piece of our body and 
breathing into it and thanking it. You know, it's like, when have we ever thought about our eyes and said, thank you for seeing or our heart. Thank you for beating, you know, thousands of times in the course of a day's work and just how, you know, it was a beautiful practice to do together. Felt good. Mm -hmm. Felt good. That's cool. Yes. So I'm wondering how mindfulness has impacted your life. What, what has it been like to be present? And when did you see that shift and what's it done for you? Yeah, I think that, you know, you have, I've even talked about all through my life, but I think the real shift has been since COVID of just being like, there were certain aspects of it, but it was really, I had to start learning, you know, new breathing techniques because I'm a hothead. I can, I, I'm either hot and cold. So like, there's no middle ground with me and I could find myself just shooting straight up and I'm like, Hey, like, do I have an anger issue? What can I do without this going to some counseling? And it was really just trying to have um, some ability to just pull back from stuff, right? Like not, not always having to bring energy to it. And so it has been the last two years of just maybe three years focus on just breathing. It is also just thinking of a bigger picture than in the moment um, and just trying to be more mindful. Anytime you got a small kid, my daughter's 10. I think that brings a certain aspect of it too, right? Like I was just having a conversation, you know, me and my wife talking about all the adventures of business adventures we're having. And like, why do we keep bringing this stuff onto us? It's more stressors to some level. And that doesn't help um, the mindfulness and really being there. Um, oh gosh, I got to do this. I got that to happen. Oh, I didn't get this accomplished. I've got to work late. And I'm like, you know, eight years, a daughter's not going to be around here. Is it going to be worth it what we're doing? Like, or is it just wired how we're wired? And like, we're really trying to have more conscious conversations about that. Because um, I think as you each season of your life, you've got a different thing you need to start thinking about. And, you know, I'm at halftime of my life. I went to a men's conference last year and the guy started talking about in reference to football and He's like, man, I'm in the fourth quarter. And then it started making, I'm like, geez, man, if it all goes good, I'm in, in halftime of my life. But I never thought about it. I still think I'm young. And like, I'm not thinking about there's that next stage of stuff. People are relying on me to be present, be there. Um, and then make sure that I'm, I'm more accountable, I guess is a good word. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's excellent. And as a business owner, I'm also a business owner. I think there are many days where I think, oh, I really just want to rush out the door because I'd like to get right to the office, maybe just a little bit early or right on time. But I think right before I, I get out the door, I think I haven't sat even for a minute. There are days when that happens. And I think as the leader, it is vitally important that I get centered because the mm. energy I bring to that office, it ripples ripples and it is my responsibility to breathe and be quiet for a minute and get myself focused so i whenever i think i i heard a saying several years ago um a woman told me she said if you don't have half an hour to meditate you should take an hour <laughs> that's really good <laughs> I thought, so it challenges me it does yeah. it does um, I'm curious if you have uh, any tips for beginners as they, they come into mindfulness. It sounds like there are certain exercises that work well for you, there are certain ones that don't work as well for your wife, and that's the beauty of mindfulness, right? 
yeah. is kind of trying things out, but any tips for folks who are going into it? I, you know, this, this was just mine. It was and you just hit on it, um, figure out what works for you and don't get upset if it doesn't. Right. Like I'm not, I love breathing and I understand the science of breathing, but man, really going through some breathing stuff. Like at times I just can't do it. Um, and like, I, <laughs> I'll start laughing or I'll just, and I'm like, eh, but just the same as me, just trying to relax on a yoga mat and just like, just totally get into a, in that moment. Um, my wife can't do it. She'll start laughing or she's just up and gone. Like I'm, you know, get up 10 minutes later and she's gone. So what I've come to, it just, you know, I think being mindful is being, you, know, you have to be pretty open to yourself and be kind to yourself. Um, Cause if you ain't kind to yourself, like, Oh, you suck at this or like, Oh, you can't do that. And you just give up. That I means no different than physically working out. Right. Some people love being on a bike running um, or maybe swimming. And then some things just don't work. Right. Like that's just not my thing. Like I can't get on a bike. I love bikes, but yeah, I don't, it's not, it's an exercise for me purely, but my mind does not get where I need it to be on a bike. Um, so I think, yeah, just being kind to yourself and figuring out what, what is it and have patience. That's a good point. Thank you for that. I'm wondering what one of your favorite mindfulness practices might be. And if you would be willing to maybe lead us in one of those. Yeah. So I was, and so I was thinking about this um, and I don't know how to lead us through it because truly it is, it is how I kind of relax of just, it, it's the body scan. And I, you know, again, I told you before we came on here, I'm a home builder. So I don't know if I'm <laughs> particularly um, qualified to lead anybody through anything through this, but it truly is. It's like, I'll just talk about how I do it. I don't know Perfect. if I can lead us through it. Um, you know, typically, and I found this to be the other thing, right? Like I've seen on the internet where people like, you have to be in this position. I find a position I can be comfortable in. Like not every time with my neck, can I lay down and find that? So I've got to put a pillow there or like, maybe I've got, you know, something else going on. So typically I'm laying down and what I like to do is just lay down, eyes closed, kind of just, you know, bring all the thoughts. Cause I think that is important to like, not try to completely just turn everything off, but it's just start at my toes and just feel them and just kind of talk to them. All right. How do they feel? Move them a little bit and just literally bring my, my energy and my thoughts from my toes up to my ankles, move them around a little bit. And there's some old injuries and soreness from stuff through the calves going up to there. And all, all of a sudden to, and really spend some time. I spend a lot of time on my arms because I think that's the one extremity we just kind of forget about. Like you can scan up, but like, all right, let me move my arms where they just feel like they're on water. And then it's kind of really up into my neck and head. And then by then, time I get to my brain I'm just really talking to myself we're like okay and how's my brain doing like how are we, have we slowed down enough to breathe through the thoughts and everything and just slow it all down because information is coming at us hot and heavy we got more information than ever I don't know that I could process it and I don't know why I keep wanting more of it um, but that really is how I do it I don't, Amy I hope that was helpful well it was and I I think you brought up two good points um, one is that as our body has injuries or we have um, age or different things that are happening to our body or we're just not stretched out enough on a particular day, we may need to adjust it. There, there are body scans that can be done laying down or lying down or there could be body scans that could be done standing up or sitting in a chair. It's, it's really what makes someone comfortable. And if you need to 
use a pillow or something to adjust more power to you. It's not about some sort of white tower perfect, right? So that's, I think, something to keep in mind that it's got to be practical. I'm all about practical mindfulness. Um, I think the other thing that is unique about what you brought up is checking in with our mind. As we do a body scan, I think a lot of times, you know, we talk about the ears and the nose and the, the mouth and the eyes and the head in general, but really the brain is something altogether different. It's not just this, you know, this bone and this flesh, but it's what's going on inside. So touching, you know, touching base with that before you finish, I think is really smart. So um, I typically don't do that. So I'll have to remember that um, the next time. Um, You're unique to talk to your brain because your brain is kind of talking to your brain, but you're talking to your body yourself anyway. So I, and I like talking about myself in the third person. Brandon finds it to be really easy to do. So Maybe you just say Amy and you just talk to yourself in the third person. I think it's a really good thing to do. <laughs> it is. Um, I know that mental health is really important to you. And I recently watched the National Association of Home Builders. Um, did I say that right? National Association of yeah. Home Builders? Okay. You nailed it. Okay. I recently watched their podcast with you as their guest, and you shared a very deep story. I'm wondering, however deep you'd like to go with it, if you would mind sharing with us the mental health journey that you've been on and perhaps how that brought to the forefront um, mental health and um, mindfulness and how they could be helpful to you and those in the building industry. Yeah. So, and, and it is, it's super important. So I'll, I'll kind of walk through this as, you know, we're going through the recession. I was talking about last night about how like the start of our company was just right there prior to the recession. Um, and so NHB had asked um, North Carolina Home Builders Association to do this pilot program to try to talk about mental health in construction. There's four times the rate of suicide than job site fatalities in the construction industry. So it's a it's a serious thing. We talk a lot about job site safety, but you know, you're four times more likely in construction to die suicide than you are on a job site. So it says something about our industry. Um, you know, I think it was something beautiful to be um deemed essential as a construction industry, pretty much across the US. I think some areas were not as much depending on the state. But as an industry, it was the best time we ever had, but the hardest time ever too, right? Costs were going up, people were super stressed out, and we never really got a break. Like it was go, go, go. Um, so I found myself, when when asked, no one knew my story, my previous story. I said, yeah, of course. And I think probably because I got mindfully built in my tagline and I'm a guy who shares that they asked, right? I also, um, at that time, was president-elect for the home builders. So it kind of made sense like, oh, who are we going to ask? Let's ask Brandon. Um, and it was a one-year journey of storytelling through um, Dr. Sally. Um, and it was really a beautiful thing of like, but I found times when trying to tell the story you're talking about, and I'll be sure to send you a link so you can put that in the notes, that I some days I didn't have it. And I remember one time getting in to our meeting, it's all by Zoom. And I said, today, I didn't, I can't do this today. This is just bringing up too many emotions. I just ain't got it. And what was beautiful about it was like, that's, that's great, Brandon. We're, just, we're here for you and you share as much or not. We can do this another day. Um, you know, we have a timeline, right? And I knew there was a timeline. 
And like, but I just knew this was like session four. I just couldn't do it. So, you know, that story was, it was accumulation. We tried to put that in two minutes, but my story is that, you know, newly married, well, engaged wife gets a job eight hours away. I have a construction business that now is like literally went from four to five employees to just me and no phone calls. And I don't know, no income, um, literally no income. And then you bring those stressors on and then bring it on a couple more years. I became very bitter. I was very angry. Um, and I don't know who at, like anyone that was successful, I was bitter at or envious of. Um, I was working for a pharmacy two nights a week um, for $10 an hour, most humble moment of my life as well. Um, but then, you know, just the accumulation of that. Now we're fast forward. We, we built a house, but still that bitterness and anger. And there was a lot of like struggles in the marriage. We got a newborn. My wife still is up here. I still not quite successful. And then there was some other external extremities coming um, just from relationships and, and, and other things. And it just seems like it just mounted all up. And, you know, you just kind of think that, well, the world would be better off without Brett. Um, what I found through that and even through the storytelling is, man, you got to reach out and talk to people. Um, you know, your spouse could be your best friend, but at times that may not be the right person to go speak to about things because they're just so personal and connected. I text, um, I didn't share this in that, um, I don't think I shared this, but I text six of my closest friends in that moment. Um, and it was like, you know, an angel came down my shoulder and said, Brent, this is not, this is not my plan for you. What are you doing? Um, but I had to, I had to hit that bottom of just knowing, oh, I'm, I'm really in a bad spot because I just couldn't keep that two or three years of what I was doing going. So, you know, I'm glad that to some level that that moment happened to bring me back. Um, but man, I just seen people just love on me. It was like an out of body experience. I could see myself still sitting on the couch. I drove 40 minutes to my parents' house. Three of my buddies showed up. The other ones lived so far away they couldn't come. And I was just sitting on the couch, not, no one's really talking and, you know, at least not to me. It was like, I just was out of my body and just seeing and like, man, you're loved, Brandon. And sometimes being loved is, is a cool thing um, that it's non-judgmental. It's just unconditional love. So fast forward to that, sharing that story was really to try to share more stories with other people in construction. It's been a cool journey in the last six months I've had. Um, People come up to me that are in the counseling business. Say, hey, here's some resources. We, I've had people come up to me that my tall guy, and and he he told me his story, and we didn't. I didn't even know he had a story. I maybe thought he had a story, but he was talking about prescription drugs um, and just painkillers because he got injured and he had to get a paycheck the next week, so he had to get back to work, and he got addicted immediately. And like, that's a common story in construction and like trying to talk about prevention. So really, um, it was, you know, it's COVID and my grandmother's on the hospital. I can't go see her. We had to sneak me in around the back through a nurse to get me up there. She passes away the next day. Um, three weeks later, my mother-in-law passes away. And then we have Christmas within a couple of weeks and then we get COVID. I wasn't worried about the physical parts of COVID, but the mental part was way more of a stressor to me of like, am I going to, you know, my, kill my wife? Like, is someone going to die? Like, can I go out? Like, am I, so much? but it was way more mentally stressing. 
after all that, and I came in and told my team, I said, I haven't been here for like the last 30 some days. Mentally, I've not been in. I'm, I can't, haven't been physically, but mentally I've been checked out. Here's what's been going on with me. Let me just share. And I just started sharing. And then I, you know, I was talking about some of the things I do is in my toolbox. Here's some of the things I do, this, this, and this. And I'd never seen as a business owner that I should have shared that. I had to be the guy who had it together that, um, you know, that you can rely on. Brandon's got it. So like, I'm good here working, right? Like I may have my stuff, but Brandon's, everything looks good over there. And not, not everything's good with my life. Like, so on the outside, it could look like, oh, he's got a good life. I shared that and then just kind of talked about it. And I had two phone calls. Then one that night, maybe the next day, I can't fully remember of team members. Thank you for sharing. I appreciate that. I'm going through this. I'm going through that. And just the ability to share. We're a small company of 11 people. Um, but now we just have a, a whole, you know, I heard you talk about the mindful part of your Monday morning meeting. We now share. And a lot of times when we're calling somebody, I, I, I'm not asking, you know, originally it was like, what's going on in jobs? How are you? What went on with you? Let's check in with you. And it's being more a compassionate leader and someone who really sees people as humans and all the things they have going on in their life, as opposed to a you're supposed to be producing for my company and like, Oh, you didn't show up today. Um, you know, we give the free reign of sharing. Hey, if you don't have it today, then that's fine. Um, we don't always have it every day. And so it's been really important to just in a big construction industry, because there's such a burnout, there's such a high risk of prescription drugs, high rate of suicide that we're just really talking about preventive stuff in our industry. And that's in it. I can assume it's happening in every industry. Um, but we want to be an industry that people people are leaving healthcare left and right. Um, people left left the restaurant industry. If construction could look like an industry that you can make a good living, which you can, but also we care about the people that are working and we put resources together. Wow, it could be a game changer for construction um, because we're needing more workers because we need more housing, and part of our problem is the workforce um, just isn't there. What do you think are some of the the ways that the housing industry might be able to bolster the number of workers and provide uh, an environment that would support growth. So there's some of the things, and so I'm going to speak more from North Carolina home builders being the president. Um, and I know some of the stuff national home builders doing, there's a real push for women in construction. I love that at, at times we've been 40, 50% female on of our team. And I love that. But if we don't have an industry that has more of, you know, we're tough. everybody really thinks it's all rough, tough guys that don't have feelings, right? And that's, that may have been true. It may still be true. But we're not going to be able to attract talent if you, if you don't have a good working environment. We just know that. Good working environment, whatever that is. Um, and I think that's more in the mental health aspect than safety on the job. So that's important. But really, like, as a female on a job site, there's a lot of stuff that's going to be said, be treated like that. You just, if we have as a business owner and as an industry, we already really combated that. That would be good. I think the other aspect is we've got to provide um, resources to people. Insurance, one of the main things in construction, at least we're, we're talking residential with me, not commercial, um, is that we don't have insurance, any kind of insurance for people. And people leave our industry because they need those benefits. 
And as a North Carolina home builders, we're really working close to getting a insurance package that would be provided to members. Um, so that would be a game changer to bring people in because I know people have left the industry because of that. Like I almost left because I needed my wife from DC in the federal job, which I couldn't beat those benefits, but I needed benefits for her to come down because she had had some medical issues and we just couldn't leave those benefits. So for a while we lived apart because of just benefits. And that's a crazy place to be in America. Yeah. But it makes you wonder how often it happens. Sadly enough, I bet it happens more than we'd like to think. Yeah. Or we, people just get stuck in the job, right? Like not unfulfilled isn't their purpose, but I ha I'm, I'm here. I have to, you know, I have to have to be here for this. Yeah. And yeah, that unfulfillment can lead to all the things we're talking about here. Now, I want to take a brief moment and uh, get a sense of, or have you share your background as it pertains to building? Because you have such a robust background that makes you uniquely suited for your job, which makes me feel like this is probably your calling. Maybe some days you feel like that and some days you don't, but I mean, the stars have aligned in a variety of ways. So tell us some of the different facets um, that are part of your, your tool set that you bring to being the leader of a home building company. So I'm, a, I'm getting to be even a bigger fan of a thing called EOS traction. And it really is finding where you're supposed to be and, and what seats you're supposed to be in. And, is that Gino and I'm a bit, Whitman? Is that Gino Whitman? Yeah, yeah. Gino, yeah. Yeah, we just became yeah, yeah. friends on LinkedIn. He's totally getting Ooh. linked in this podcast. Aha. <laughs> uh -huh. oh, you're big we, time. Um, yeah, we, we love Gino around our house. <laughs> good. And, and you know, Matt, that we both know, mutual friend, he built Gino's house in Michigan. I don't know if I knew that. Yeah. Now the world knows. Um, <laughs> but it really, I my, going through that, and it's something you don't know until you stop. It's kind of a mindful thing, right? Like, stop. Who am I as a human being, right? Like, you did all these personality tests, and they never meant anything to me to ever. But, like, who am I, and what am I great at? What do I suck at? What do I hate just doing? And I'm a visionary. Um, so I found my role as a company now is is not to be on the job side every day and doing that, but it is being able to hire rock stars is what we're looking for and give them the resources and just really truly give them a you know cast a vision give them all the things that they need and really be just checking in with them as people and just appreciate them and what they're providing you know the whole team out there working gives me the ability to even have the time to do this um 10 years ago didn't have the re i didn't have the time i didn't have the bandwidth because i had to be here i had to be there i had to be there um is really just seeing um there's lived experiences in sharing that. Um, there's a ton of knowledge about building I have from the green building aspect that I do still love sharing. And, and that's really a catalyst of our whole company. But I've got people that know way more about framing houses or finished details than I do. And that that's wonderful. I, I don't mind that to happen. And really what I'm trying to do is to create a company that and we just appreciate them and love the people. And our why statement is to have a positive, sustainable impact on the community in which we live. We can do that with the people. And so I can now be in certain other seats to have that impact, right? Like I can spend time with a client or I can spend time as a com community leader and do something over there um, that has a more uplifting effect to our company. That's wonderful. 
Um, I I know that you run this custom home building business that emphasizes mindfulness, part of your tagline. I'm wondering if that is a typical approach in the building industry. And if not, maybe it could be. Maybe it could be. Maybe it shouldn't be because then that wouldn't make me unique, right? <laughs> um, so I, I, my gut tells me it's not very common. I don't know that even like the houses we build from the green build to health and wellness and the focus of that, like it's what we do. I don't think it's a big deal anymore. I don't, I don't even get that. When I say I don't get excited, I get excited about it, but it's like I, we don't make it part of our marketing as much as we used to. It's just what we do, and it's we've been doing it for so long. Like, you know, that really maybe in all that I see home building. This was my my what I incorporated in my speech of becoming state president is that we're storytellers as home builders. Um, we build a widget, but I really care about it to telling the story like why are we building this house who we're building it for and tell that story and and that could be the story it, it can be fantastic so like i think you probably heard plenty of people say this when you go to disney you're not going to disney because you want to be in orlando in the hot humid weather you're going to go for the experience and you don't care how much money you spend because you're in the experience and you just feel magical a home is is in that word home I mean, you could call it home house, but a true home actually has to have a story, right? It's got to have feelings. It's got emotions where a house doesn't have that. That's a tangible widget over here that, you know, anyone can make. And so we're making houses, but I want to create home. And so like tell a story. I don't think, I hope that our industry would become more of that because I think that would uplift. It was a noble industry, right? Ever thousands of years ago, you wanted builders in part of your community, <laughs> Um, you had to have builders. And now it's, you know, we're not highly ranked upon favorable people that you look at. We're higher than lawyers, real estate agents, um, but we're not admired like a doctor might be or a firefighter. I think we can have more impact on people's lives than any other industry there is because we really do create the homes. We create the safety. We create the emotions. We connect connections to, and you know, being mental wellness. And so wellness in your house can be, massively improved if your builder is taking the time to actually care about those. Sure. Sure. I talk about this quite a bit with my husband, Jeff, who also is a custom builder, of course, you know, here in Indiana. And we, we talk a lot about our spaces and how we might use a space to have friends over and how the interaction between the hors d'oeuvres and the seating area and how that might create this, you know, exciting environment with music pumping. But if, but if the kitchen is all walled off and the seating someplace else, then can, can we really create the environment we're looking for? Mm -hmm. um, and even how, you know, certain areas um, as you come in, just the impression that you give when, when, when your, your neighbor first walks in, is it, is it inviting? Is it, piled up with junk is it, it it creates an impact and not only for your family who's living there but for the people who come in and experience your space it again has that ripple effect it it really does so i'm i'm a big fan of that I'm, here's what i would say i know you're going to the next question apparently there's two home builders thinking about that so i like that you guys are talking about that you nailed everything i just said is like really it, it man it's, it can be really cool and it doesn't cost more money to do it like it's just being intentional. It's being mindful about what we're building. And asking the right questions. So you can write a story that fits the family. 
Mm -hmm. Love that. Ooh, this is this is really good. What what's your goal with your mindfulness efforts? Like, what what do you hope to accomplish? I think you've touched on it, but I'd love to hear that kind of succinct answer. Yeah, I would love to hear it too. So my first reaction when you asked me that question is I had not actually thought through that. And that's terrible to be on a podcast about mindfulness and have never actually thought like, what is my outcome and what is what am I doing here? Um, it is to have an impact. Um, I was scared to death to share the story that we've talked about that I shared with NHB because I didn't know exactly where it went, where is it going, um, and what level. I wanted to go as deep as I felt comfortable, and even the people that it would affect too, right? There's other people when you tell a story, so it's not my story. Um, but I really want to have an impact, and if it can have an impact on 10, 20, I, you know, I've, I've got bigger goals than that, but really – I like to think that we had a big piece. We were a trailblazer when it came to green building 16 years ago, and we made a difference in that um, and very innovative in that. I would love to look back more on my life and say, man, we had more of an impact on people's lives than we built some award-winning homes. Like I'd rather think like, and this is a piece of it. Now, this kind of became my baby of like, hey, the mental health is really important. I mean, so, so many aspects. It's kind of like, Instead of just the the awards, I mean, knowing that you gave the Smith family who has, you know, four children and 12 grandchildren the opportunity to gather in a space that they had intentionally, mindfully constructed to have their family together for a decade or more. Just what a gift from yeah. thinking ahead on on the spaces and the opportunities of those spaces. That's and I would share this story. This is where a lot of it came from. My wife has um, bad asthma, bad allergies, and we built a amazing house. And we moved in and she opened every window. It was in February. We moved in, opened every window. It's brand. I can't breathe. I'm like, Amanda, this house, this is, it's green certified. It's, it's brand new. It, it, no, this cannot happen. It was the coldest night I think I've ever slept in a house. Could never get the heat back up past 50 because if she had opened every window. Um, every blanket we could find that we had not unpacked, but it made me realize that there is more of an opportunity for the health and wellness, the indoor air quality that was green certified, but it was mostly focused on energy. So we're focused on indoor air. We're focused on intentional touch points. We're in touch of like how, you know, I can change someone's life that has asthma and give them a house or, you know, maybe you've lived in a house that had a lot of mold and how that could have affected you. And like, where it could be radon. It could be a number of things that, we can take your physical conditions, but I think it's also your mental health. You're talking about just interactions with your family and having, we build a deck on our house that is intentionally made for us to just see nature, but it's private. And then like, it's a good place to actually do yoga on it's um, we exercise from, but it's, but if it's too, in the winter, you can see out from the inside. It's kind of so connected that it feels like we brought the outside in and that's, that's a beautiful thing when it's done right. And people moved to Asheville, North Carolina to be outdoors. So our houses really have an intentional, a lot of indoor outdoor connection points. Mm, that sounds delightful. I I've just seen your home from the front and I will have to make an opportunity for our family to come check that out in the full, the full flesh. That looks lovely from the outside. Um, I'm wondering if you could tell me an example of a time when mindfulness helped a client 
on a project or in an, in an employee situation, you know, you've talked about, you know, just the personal battle of recognizing present nature. Yeah, I was, I didn't get, um, I was wanting to share a story, but I didn't get permission to share it from the employee. So, um, because there's some really cool things. Once you actually get all your employees really on board and like you start really getting to know people as a human and like as a friend, right? They're not just employees. These are friends. This is family to me. Um, you know, I, I find our mindfulness, you know, we focus a lot on just the, the home, but like our interactions with clients now of just, um, it was, I don't know how many months, it was like two or three months ago. I don't know, it been four months ago. It doesn't really matter. We, it's been very a stressor because budgets have been over. Prices were going up that I couldn't control. I'd get a price increase the next day and no one told me. Um, it took longer to build a house and it was way over budget. So let's just put those two facts out there. Those were never easy conversations to have with people. And we would, as a company, we ingested every bit of that. We were almost, we were a very compassionate company and I hope our clients understand that. But I had one client that just was so frustrated and we, you know, like, well, this and this and, and I, I just, you know, and it was, I could see it in them. And, but also I know the reactions I have. I had these internal things. That, and I went, Hey man, why don't we just take a second and, and let's just breathe. I, I hear where you are. And like, just telling them like, all right, just and like, you have to say it in such a way that has, is compassion, right? You can't say, Hey man, you're losing it. Just breathe. That then can set somebody off even more. But like, I just said, Hey, we'll just take a second. We're on zoom. Like, just take a second. Just take a deep breath. I, I'm here to hear you, but I know there's emotions are flying right now for you. And you're just saying things. And I don't want you to say anything you regret because um, I do that all the time. So I'm just going to, so I made it more personal about me. Hey, I've learned this. I'm going to give you the opportunity to do that. And, you know, you're right. Let me take a second. And, you know, we've two minutes, just turn the cameras off. And this just said, hey, because you, know, you can't, Sometimes in these Zoom interactions, you you could walk out of a room if you're in person. But like, if I got up and left right now, you'd think it was kind of weird. Um, we should give ourselves those spaces, right? Like, it's been a tough two or three years, and if we give other people or even ourselves the space, um, and I, so I think that's where I've hopefully been able to see, like, hey, we can, you know, it, it, I, I'm sorry, I know it's over over budget and all these things. And I understand this is your home, but, um, and then giving people a little bit of grace when it comes to that, not like take that. it personal. I like that kind of the normalizing, creating space and grace for emotions, for overwhelm, for anger. Some, sometimes, sometimes it's justifiable. It's justifiable to be emotional about something and recognize that it, maybe we can normalize. Let's let's turn off the screens for a minute. I'm gonna go get a drink of water. <laughs> I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna be better. Um, I I worked um, for a while at a place where um, I needed a break once in a while. I would get just just overwhelmed with information and changes and think I am not going to respond very well in this moment. And so I would get up and walk around this building and I would come back and it was like. A frontal lobotomy. I mean, I felt like yeah. I got this. Nope. It all makes sense now. It's just amazing how when you give your spell your, yourself a little bit of space, mm -hmm. the difference it can make between honestly 
building a relationship stronger or tearing it apart. And not that it can't be mended. We all know that. But there, that's where our choice lies between that, that stimulus and that response. And we talk about that on the show a fair amount because that's really the heart of why I'm doing what I'm doing with this podcast is I want to empower us that we have that space of choice and having a tool belt to get ourselves into a good position before we respond. It, it has, yeah. um, can have centuries long implication, honestly. It can seriously. And I don't know why we have the feel that we have to respond, right? Like I've started thinking like, I don't have to respond to this. I don't have to respond to that email, right? Like, I need to give some kind of reply, but I don't have to, you know, do that. I so a, a small story, and I just probably didn't where you was wanting to go with this, but two weeks ago, I I woke up and knew I didn't have it. Um, just mentally, I was in a bad spot, um, real bad spot. And then I went to a, into the team, met a new employee, had never met this new employee, first employee we had ever hired that I'd never met. So I'm excited to meet this human. Also, I'm excited about my team. We're having multiple meetings. I need some, some a mental walk like you're talking about from team meetings and meetings. But we got into one, and we have had uh, some some turnover and some things that we had to clean up internally on jobs. And I just lost it. And I knew I didn't have it that day. And I knew I shouldn't. Have, I should have. And I'd even told everybody. I just ain't got. And my energy was so negative and so strong. That people were like, hey, is there, you know, like you could feel it in the room. And people would even respond because that's what I've said. Hey, like you need to manage up to like, they would be like what's going on with you? And I ain't got it today. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm not going to bother you. But I lost it on some team members and it been so ashamed. But just like you said, it can have big implications. And like I said, things came out of my mouth and I'm like, what in the world am I saying? Um, and why am I saying this? And like, I, I don't want this nor do i want but i am so frustrated with some other things and you guys just happen to be the tip of what i'm frustrated with what you got but on a normal day what we're working through it's processes we'll follow the process we'll get the process we'll take care of the gray areas but today i couldn't do this with you guys like i'm losing it and i did and man like it sucked to have to go and apologize because I, I didn't meet the standard, which I did. And I'm not doing my own practices of saying, and it's a lot harder to go back and say, Hey, like, you know, I told you, I should have just went home. I tell you guys, if you ain't got to go home, I should have went home, went home. Um, because I was not having a positive impact on the company. I w there was nothing I was going to give today. Um, and so I like that thing you're talking about. I think that I should learn more about that space um, and give them, giving everybody that space. Right. A word that I've heard is that we have a choice to react or respond. And for most of my life, I, I was very reactive. And I realized that that was doing nobody any, any good. And so I, it has been a long journey, but learning to respond, respond. sometimes that means... I need a few minutes <laughs> before yeah. I can respond to this email or respond to what you just said to me or whatever it is and normalizing that in, in our offices, in, in our marriages, in our just friendships, just, whoa, I, I'm not prepared to respond to that. <laughs> so I just, 
I'll get back to you. <laughs> I'll get back to you. It seems like we've been circling around this idea that perhaps there is um, burnout that is happening. Are you noticing that? I even have burnout. Um, That's why I'm, I'm hearing yeah. even symptoms of what you're saying. Just seems like I don't have it. <laughs> yeah. Um, man, and, and when I said it earlier, that I've had the two best years we've ever had as a company. If you just want to look at it in that belt, but they were the hardest and more trying that I ever had. And the most stressing of the relationships with our clients were our trades. Um, so like, you know, they're our employees, but our, I feel like my trade partners, which is probably a hundred plus are also my family. They're our employees. It's just been tough for everybody. And like people just, um, there was no room for, Hey, I understand what you're going through. And, you know, I had some clients that were very understanding and we had some, I had a, um, an individual crack his skull, um, and fell down some stairs, literally was bleeding in the emergency room. He is like on the Pacific Northwest. We're in the East coast. Um, and like, what that, what does that mean? And like, is he going to be okay? But we ended up having people that were like, well, that's terrible about him, but what are you going to do about our house? I'm like, wait, wait, I got an employee that like, is in a really bad, I don't, your house is probably right now, not the most important thing for us. Like, I get it, but like, and I wish I'd seen more. It was sad for me to see people were just so caught up in, in like, in, as a society, like, and caught up in our own selves, right? Like, and I do it all the time, focus on myself, just like what I was doing that day when I came in my employees, I was focused about me and wasn't caring about how I'd make them feel or what all they were bringing in, right? Like, They've got their story that they brought in. What's going on in their family life? I got a new employee that's like, oh, I'm excited about this company. I don't know that she's excited anymore uh, or she's scared to death. And that's not the kind of leader I want to be seen as. But I can't say that when I have actions that are different than that. So, um, yeah, um, I like that how you're talking about that respondents to react because I'm a competitive guy and I was always taught to react. Um, and I was taught to fight and, and that, that served me well. And then it's just served me in a lot of ways as well. Based on all of our discussion, we've talked about burnout. We've talked about mindfulness. We've talked about ways the, the housing industry could attract, um, new and different and more employees do you have any wisdom for the housing industry at this juncture where where it is i think we have to embrace a cultural change and this talking about mental health would be a cultural change within our industry um the next generation um are are different my generation is different than the previous generation my dad's generation he and I grew up with him and worked for him building bridges and stuff. Well, no one talked about their feelings. <laughs> um, like, no, if you got cut or injured even on a job, you just wrapped it up and went on. Um, and I was very judgmental. I was stopped before I came here to do this. I stopped by the post office and I heard two workers working on the street. And a guy up in the box said, hey, man, you got a first aid kit. And he just kept asking. And I was like, man. And I immediately just thought to myself, like, man, just suck it up, dude. Like you're up there just working on those cables. You don't need a first aid kit. Just wrap it up and go. And like that's built in. And I think we have to somehow 
there's some there there's agreements we've made with ourselves that we're going to have to change as an industry construction that have new agreements like I'm talking about being compassionate for mental health, but I'm like, immediately I just think to that guy, like, man, you're fine. Who needs a first aid kit? What a wuss. But like, it made, it made me stop and think, all right, Brandon, why did you think that? Like, so I think that's it. I think we're going to have to, as a construction industry, um, embrace technology and like where that's going to take us. Um, just like a lot of other industries are embracing technology. We, uh, um, the way we build houses is, more than less still the way we built them 100 200 years ago um so we're going to have to embrace where that goes and and really have a a um a real change or we're just going to be at a deficit of housing in america and that's not where we need to be we've got more people needing housing and um, it's just going to keep raising prices if we don't do that yeah that's a good word do you have any sense for the kind of technology that might be on the horizon? When I started the company in 2006, my plan was offsite construction. I was going to do a modular. I was going to change the world. I did a few that way. And then the recession hit. That was a big issue. But I lost control and I just couldn't get quality control. Um, I've tried every bit of offsite construction I can do. I, I don't know where it is. I, I think it's going to come from some innovation that none of us know, right? Like I didn't think we would have the innovation in cars and the things we're having at this point in juncture, right? Like didn't know that I would have a Tesla that would not even have a key. It was just my phone and like it could drive itself. And, and it's basically a computer on wheels. Exactly. Somehow, <laughs> somehow. Um, I, here's the best example. I went to a Sam Rashkin, very well-known guy talking about retool in the U S housing industry. And he had a picture of Times square. I'm going to get wrong with the year early 1900s. And it's only one automobile. Um, it was like two years later, it was only one horse and carriage. And it, maybe I've got the time frame off, but basically his thing was Henry Ford said, had I asked the people what they had wanted, they would wanted better horses or better buggies. They didn't know what they didn't want. Um, so I don't, that's why I'm saying, I don't know where the technology goes, but I think somehow it gets built in a more efficient way. Love that. I love that. Well, as we get here towards the end, I'm wondering if you would humor me and mm -hmm. practice the glowy practice with me. We'll run through it very quickly, but, yeah. um, if you, if you have some thoughts, um, ahead of time that, that hopefully help us through it. But the glowy daily reflection practice is a practice that I developed and put in my book, The Chaos Antidote, Fable About Mindfulness in the Companion Workbook. And this is something I do essentially every day, a lot of times in the morning and then again in the evening with my daughter, which is a very sweet time. And it's an acronym for G stands for grateful, something you're grateful for. L stands for lift up the things that might need resources, you know, or a prayer. The O is for observe. So you're noticing your body, your thoughts, your surroundings. The W is for your wholesome intention. We talk a lot about intention and mindfulness. And the last one is you are. And this is my favorite because you get to say, you know, you're talking earlier. You can talk to yourself. You can say, Brandon, you are something amazing. And you send yourself off into the day. So positive affirmation to put a little pep in your step. So we'll start with the G. What's something you're grateful for, Brandon? You know, I'm grateful for amazing friendships. So like the fact that I got to meet you and how that connection point is, I was talking about just that the other day and just grateful for, you know, family's always an easy one, but I'm grateful for 
true friendships. Love that. What about lift up? Are there things that might need resources, time, money, just prayer? Yeah, uh, very much so. Well, that could be all day. But the biggest thing is, is you know, in, our, in this short period of time is that we've got um, an office that we need to get finished and I need to financially get um, under control. Um, so, yeah, that is where our, where our focus is, if that makes sense. Absolutely. What's something you observe? You know, I'm trying to just observe where I'm at in life. Um, and what's surrounding us it's spring and that just coming of life that's where I'm you know, just observing just like hey that change of season and like there is a new life coming and a new phase of my life what about your wholesome intention that is to have a positive impact every day um, that is my wholesome intention every day I think that would be that every day I love that and what about you are? You get to say, Brandon, you are. You are excellent. So for some reason, Bill and Ted has came back into my life. And I am every morning telling my daughter to be excellent, have an excellent day. And I, it's a very weird thing. But like, I'm sending all sorts of like gifs and emojis of like Bill and Ted and just talking about being excellent. Um, so yeah, very much so. <laughs> Thank you for that. Well, as we wrap up, I'm wondering if you wanted to share where folks could learn more about the National Association of Home Builders and, and the mental health awareness and tools that they have. Yeah, so um, there's a few resources. NHB on their website, has got, um, I think if you Google search NHB mental health, they've got a full toolkit with all sorts of stuff, very relatable to construction industry, but I think it could be anywhere out there. Um, there's also a... Um, workshop that happens once a year called construction um, mind summit that is fantastic and they do a teach the teacher kind of thing where they really train people to you could talk to employees or co-workers on that but i'll be sure to send you some of the links of that as well that'd be wonderful well it's been a joy today brandon and i will sign us off thank you very much for being part of the show um from my heart to yours, may you live with ease. This is your host, Amy Morgan, signing off. <laughs>